series today in First uh, Peter, and we want to encourage you to make sure you have a, a copy of the scriptures. And uh, we have some in the back, and uh, if you would like a copy of the Bible, just uh, raise your hand and we'll pass those out quickly. Who would like a Bible? We'll need them, I can tell you that. So we have uh, several have had their hands raised. Great, great. Just keep your hand up until somebody walks down and your Bible. I especially like to thank all those who helped us yesterday at our city. And um, we had uh, a fun time. It was cold and we worked hard. And uh, I, I just want to tell you that those people from the bridge who served in our city represented you well. And uh, I'm so grateful to have uh, such strong support from our, from our team. And I had fun too. We're beginning a series, uh, When Life Brings Adversity, and we're going to be looking all summer at First and Second Peter. When Peter wrote the book of First Peter in about 64 A.D., it had been over 30 years since Jesus had been resurrected, the first Easter, and ascended back into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. The Christian message had spread rapidly, but now in 64 A.D., 65 A.D., Christians are beginning to be persecuted because they're followers of Jesus Christ. Peter writes to remind them of the bigger picture. Life is not all about their difficulties. Life is not all about them. Life has a greater purpose. It has an eternal purpose. And that's why Jesus came in the first place. When Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter, he was a seasoned man, an older man, a man who, just being older is, doesn't make you uh, seasoned, uh, a man who has uh, walked with Jesus for many years. He is a leader, and God has used him to accomplish some amazing things. But Peter didn't start that way, did he? Peter started as a beginner. Peter was a newbie. Peter had to Meet Jesus. And that's where we're going to start today, getting to know Peter uh, as we look at his life's story. So uh, we're going to start. Um, I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 35. That's on page 736 if you use the, the Bridge Bible. And this is when Peter meets Jesus. By the way, do you remember when you met Jesus? You may have been really young. You may have been a teenager. You may have been an adult. You remember the early days? Now, for me, it was major because I was an atheist and I was going in one direction. And when I met Jesus, I knew this stuff is real. And, man, it stopped me in my tracks. And I want to show you when Peter met Jesus. Um, John chapter 1 and verse 35 and uh, we have a very simple outline. We're going to throw it up just to show you where we are in case you, you know, drift off and you can't remember where I am. And the outline, you have an outline in your program if you want to follow, but you'll see the outline on the board. So the first thing is one person meets Jesus. I told you it was simple. Verse 35. The next day, John was there again. This is by the Jordan. Uh, with two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him uh, say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? 
Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Now, uh, let me remind you of a couple of things. The John here is John the Baptist. It is not John the writer of the gospel. It's John the Baptist. He had a function and a role to prepare the way of the Lord. I won't go into all of that, but John was a key person. John is the one, he said, behold the Lamb of God. And um, he, he, I'm guessing only John. I, in all of Scripture, John is the only one who figures this out. He recognizes that Jesus is the promised one of Isaiah 53, that there would be a sacrificial lamb for sins, and it would be Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now, he introduces Jesus to two disciples by saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. I don't think they know what that means. I don't think that those two disciples of his, of John's, know what it means that Jesus is the Lamb of God. But what they do know is John is pointing the way to the promised one, to the Messiah. And, of course, Jesus' name, last name, it's not name, the title is Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. Um, so uh, one person tells another person about Jesus. This is uh, verses 40 and 41. Look at that together. Andrew... Simon Peter's brother. And by the way, this is about all we know about Andrew. He is Simon Peter's brother. He was one of the two who heard what John had said. So he's one of those two and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Um, this is the latest and greatest way of tele-evangelism today. Did you see that? Tell a person. It's, it's still the latest and greatest, and that's exactly what happens here. Andrew tells Peter. Andrew brings um, Peter to meet Jesus. Literally. He led Peter right to face to face with Jesus. Uh, just a thought question. This is, you know, the greatest things. Studying the Bible sometimes it's not that hard. You know, when you come to application, Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Who have you brought to Jesus? Who are you bringing to meet Jesus? That's how simple application is from the Bible. Um. Now look at, Jesus looked at him, verse 42, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. Uh, and then he goes on to say, you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Uh, just a quick summary of the names of Peter, because Peter gets called a lot of things. He is Simon, that's his given name. And in Hebrew, that's Simeon. So he could be Simon or Simeon. Jesus is renaming him right here, and he calls him Cephas. That's the Aramaic word for rock. The Greek word is Petros, which is for us Peter. All those names refer to him. He's the rock. Right now, Jesus is giving this Simeon guy a new name, and he says, you are going to be Peter. 
Now, what can we learn from that? This. Jesus saw what Peter would become. Jesus saw the potential in Peter. The way Jesus treated Peter helped Peter become who he had become. What can you learn from that? What do you see when you see people? Do you see their potential or do you see their shortcomings? Do you look at them and say, man, you're not doing this right and you're not doing this right? Now, if you raise your kids that way, that's going to have a big impact on them. But if you see them as a 10 every time, they're going to try to strive for that. If you see people for who they can become, that's what Jesus showed us here. Secondly, Peter is called to follow Jesus. This is in Matthew 4, page 671. So you're going to want to turn there. Matthew chapter 4. I'm sorry we're not going to put up uh, scripture on the screen today. Matthew uh, chapter 4. Peter is called to follow Jesus. And here's the invitation in verses 18 and 19. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is up in the northern part of Israel. Um, that's a, Galilee is a province in northern Israel, and the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus hung out for uh, almost two years. And um, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. This is after the first encounter that Peter just met Jesus. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. This is Peter's first career. Peter by trade, Peter by training, Peter by craft was a fisherman. And if you're going to fish, the Sea of Galilee is the place to be. So they were casting a net. And Jesus said in verse 19, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus called Peter to a new lifestyle. And he called him away from his first career path into a new career path. Instead of bringing fish into the boat, Peter, I want you to learn to cast a net and bring men and women into the kingdom of God. The response in verse 20, and they left their nets and followed him. That's an amazing response. I don't know how much thought went into this. I'm assuming they had talked and thought about Jesus a lot. But Jesus has this encounter and he he calls them to be with him and to follow him. And hey, that's a big deal to throw off your career. And I don't know how much is involved in leaving their family at that moment. But they signed on to be with Jesus. And uh, this was Peter leaving a comfortable income. He was, in a, he was a, business, a small business owner. And uh, he wasn't rich, but he was doing okay. He was doing okay. Next, we, we see that Peter learns to follow Jesus. This is uh, Matthew 14. So flip over to Matthew 14. It's on page 680. Matthew uh, 14. And here's the situation. Uh, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, this is kind of a crazy scene. Um, the fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And the disciples are tired and they've been busy. And I don't even know what they're doing out on the boat at this time of the night. And there's a storm. And uh, Jesus went out to them. 
And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. This is the Sea of Galilee. And they say, it's a ghost. And they uh, cried out in fear. They do not know what's happening. They're, they're terrified uh, in this situation. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, don't be afraid. Uh, they were all terrified, including Peter. But because uh, Jesus spoke, Peter takes some courage, and he makes this request in verse 28. Um, Matthew 14, 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter doesn't know for sure. This is kind of a, you know, if it's you, I'm not sure if it's you, I'm going to test you. Tell me to come to you on the water. If it's you, uh, it's like he just hopes it's Jesus, and uh, he think, kind of thinks it's Jesus, and then Jesus gives, uh, and he gives Jesus a way to prove himself, and then uh, we see uh, Peter's faith in verse 29. Uh, Jesus said, come. So Jesus gives the invitation for Peter to step out of the boat to join Jesus um, walking on the lake. You know, this is not your everyday event. This, you know, we can't explain this rationally. This is a supernatural event. And uh, in the life of Jesus, if you study the life of Jesus, you'll find his life is surrounded by a miracle, by miracles. I want you to know that they weren't, um, the whole purpose of the miracles were to point to who Jesus was, to get everybody's attention. This isn't like you're supposed to go out and walk on water Literally, you know, that's not what you're supposed to learn from this. Um, but so the request, Lord, if it's you, Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on water and he came toward Jesus. Um, so Jesus enables Peter to participate in this miraculous event. Now, so Peter, this is really cool. I've never wanted to walk on water except after reading this story. But this, you know, Lord, if it's you, you know, tell me to come. And so Peter, Jesus has come and Peter steps out of the boat and he's, he's on top of the water. And yet um, he takes this, he starts looking at the problems around him and he sees, boy, the wind is very strong and the, the waves are just coming. I don't think I can survive these waves. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know, what happens, he, he starts to fall. And um, he, he realized he, he's uh, going to need some help. He saw the potential difficulties instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus. He saw the waves, and then the doubt crept in. The doubt is in verse 30, uh, Matthew fourteen thirty. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me! And... Uh, that was probably an appropriate request on Peter's part. You know, um, Jesus didn't invite Peter to walk on water just to have him drown, did he? Do you think God ever asks you to do something just so you will fail? What is Peter supposed to learn from this event? And... Um, is there anything that Jesus wants you to do 
You know, maybe you've been thinking about something. Um, something that Jesus wants you to get out of the boat. To trust him. You know, I know uh, our students are heading out and uh, some of you are concerned about your finances. Uh, you need finances for next year. There's a few of you who are going to get married and you don't have the whole plan figured out. Um, some of you are looking for a job. I know that. Can you trust Jesus? Can you walk forward into the future and ask Jesus uh, for the help? The learning comes in verses 31 through 33. Uh, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He says, you of little faith, uh, why did you doubt? You remember, walking on water was Peter's idea. Uh, Jesus isn't putting down Peter here. Jesus is instructing. He's saying to Peter, Peter, trust me. Peter, I want you to have faith that I am going to follow through when I ask you to do something. I'm going to provide the resources you need. I'm going to take care of you if you follow me, Peter. And uh, verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And the disciples get it right this time. They get a glimpse uh, it's starting to sink in just who this Jesus is. Truly, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what they were getting that day. And uh, he wants you to trust him. And then we go to Matthew 17. So just uh, roll the pages over to Matthew 17. And that's on page 682. And this is the spectacular mountaintop incident. It's not a spectacular mountain, but it is a spectacular incident. Matthew 17, uh, the mountaintop experience, verses 1 through 3. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. By the way, this was a, a practice of Jesus. He took aside three guys, Peter, James, and John, more than any of the other disciples. He spent more time with them. Well, that's not fair, is it? That was Jesus' plan for developing leaders. He took more time to spend with Peter, James, and John for who they will become, and they will be leading the group later. And Peter's name is mentioned first here. And Peter's name is mentioned usually first in all the lists of the disciples because he is the one who will be the leader of the group. Uh, verse 2, there he was, uh, so Peter, James, and John, they're, they're up on the mountain. Verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before him, before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, this is a bizarre experience if you're Peter, James, and John. You, you know, you're hanging out with Jesus. He's telling you about the kingdom of God. You've seen him do miracles. And then you go up on a mountain and what is this? And there's several things happening here, and let me try to describe them the best I can. This is called the transfiguration. And so here's Jesus, the Son of God, who is God, and he also has a human body. And it's just sort of like for 
a minute or two, I don't know how long this was, a few minutes, it's sort of like the glory of God got so uh, overpowering in Jesus' body, it just started to show out of his pores. And, and uh, Jesus allowed Peter, James, and John just to see a little bit more about who he really is. You know, his, his body has been a covering. His body, is, his flesh has veiled the glory of God. Intentionally, that was the plan. But just now, Peter, James, and John get this little picture of who Jesus is. Now, who's he talking to and why? Who, man, where do these people come from? Elijah and Moses. Well, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Moses was the lawgiver of the Old Testament. He gave the Ten Commandments. He gave all of the 613 laws of the Old Testament. And so we're talking about the law and the prophets, which represents all of the Old Testament. And here Jesus is talking with them. Now, we don't know how Peter knew who they were. But this is a, an amazing uh, thing. And it shows as Jesus talks with Elijah and with Moses that Jesus will supersede all of the law and the prophets. That Elijah and Moses are the servants of Jesus. Um, so. Jesus uh, sort of does this for the sake of his disciples. Uh, he doesn't have to prove anything, but he, he's, he's displaying himself. And then uh, this is Peter, trivial response in verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, this is so exciting. I would just like to honor you right now. This is so cool. I love this experience. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. I'm going to put $50 a piece. One for you, $50 for you, $50 for Elijah, and $50 for Moses. Uh, I will put up three shelters. We'll memorialize this forever. And um, Peter is saying, this is Peter's idea. This is what he wants to do for Jesus. And then we have a majestic response. Uh, for Peter, it's a br brilliant idea. Look at verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. I don't know if the voice sounded like that. But, you know, Peter's he's trying to be creative. He's trying to fabricate. He's trying to, his mind is just rolling, and he's going to do things, and he's not listening. He's not getting it. And so, uh, God says, I want you to listen to him. And so, you know, Peter is, he's sort of fabricating the plans for Jesus on his own. Jesus, this is what needs to happen next. And what God wants is for Peter to listen for the next step. The learning. Um, and so here's an application be careful that you're not trying to give God your ideas and not listening to his ideas first. Okay? Be careful. The learning, verses 6 through 8. Uh, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, get up, and said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And so the disciples, and especially Peter here, are learning more 
and more about who Jesus is. Next, the foot washing incident. So we're going to jump to John chapter 13, and that's on page uh, 748. John chapter 13. You learn a whole lot more if your Bible is open. First, the situation in verse 5. This is the night before, if you remember, the night before the crucifixion. This is the night of the Last Supper uh, in an upper room. John chapter 13 and verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin. This is Jesus. And he be, and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that, that was wrapped around him. And, and a lot of you know this story. But here's the deal. It wasn't customary for a rabbi, the teacher, the leader of the group, to wash anybody's feet. Okay? Usually, when... People came in from the street. It was just kind of normal in a home like that, that they, people had wore sandals, the streets were dusty, and so there would be a household servant there to wash people's feet, especially for a dinner occasion like this. But it's Jesus. And so we have a disagreement in verses 6, six to 8. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You know, Peter is questioning Jesus' plan here. Jesus, are you sure you know what you're doing? I'm not sure you know what you're doing. Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Peter, remember to listen, to be patient, and to wait. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And there goes Peter. Peter is a passionate guy. Some of you are like Peter. Some of you are very passionate. Some of you like Peter. Speak before you think, right? Some of you are very slow to speak. Cautious. I'm more like that. Not that I'm right. I'm just slow. (laughs) No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Peter uh, desperately wants to be Jesus' advisor. You know, he's been with uh, Jesus for three years now, and he's still trying to tell Jesus what to do. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus is speaking literally and metaphorically. In the spiritual realm, he's saying, Peter, you're going to need to be cleansed by me. Unless I do that, you're going to have no eternal part of me. And tonight, the washing is just teaching an example. The learning... um, when Peter realizes quickly that he's wrong, he's really just to jump uh, instantly. Uh, and so verse 9, he says, Then, Lord, uh, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. He wants the whole bath. He wants everything. You know, let's not dabble around here. I want, to, I want it all. Peter is committed, uh, and Peter is slowly learning to listen to Jesus. Next, on the same night, uh, now we're going to turn back to Mark uh, chapter 14. This is a courtyard incident. Uh, Mark chapter uh, 14. And uh, we looked at this just over a month ago, so I will uh, speed through this. Jesus gave a prediction. This is um, after Jesus was arrested. It's the the night uh, before he's crucified. And the prediction comes, uh, Mark 14, 27 and 28. Jesus, with his 12 disciples, he says, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and he is the shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep, and the sheep will be scattered, meaning the disciples will be 
scattered. Shepherd's going to be struck. The sheep who are the disciples will be scattered. Verse 28, he says, but after I have risen, nobody's listening to this. They don't know. He's told them he's going to rise again. After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So uh, Jesus surprised his disciples, predicting that each one of them would fail this very night. Each of them, those highly committed, highly trained men are going to fail. And then Peter steps in again, verses 29 through 31, and he disagrees with Jesus again. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. He's committed. Give him credit. We like Peter. Verse 30, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. And Peter's not convinced. Jesus still doesn't get it. Verse 31, Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Peter, the leader, influenced everybody in the group, and they all said the same. Peter disagrees with Jesus emphatically again. And uh, he is a committed man. So what's the learning in verse 72, verse 72, Mark 14, 72? This happens after Peter publicly denied Jesus three times. Three times he was asked if he knew Jesus. This was after Jesus was arrested. And three times he disowned Jesus. And then in verse 72, immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word of Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And then this is one of the sad parts of the phrases in Scripture. And he broke down and he wept. You ever felt that way? Ever experienced failure and wanted to break down and weep? Peter was wrong. Jesus was right, by the way, again. What was Peter learning? It's more than just Jesus is right and Peter is wrong. Peter was learning that he needs to trust Jesus because Jesus always knows what's best. Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what's true. When Jesus makes a promise, you can always, always count on it. Number four, this is the last section. We're we're coming down the home stretch. Peter learns to lead for Jesus. Peter learns to lead for Jesus. First, he takes his place of leadership. This is in Acts chapter 1. So uh, that's on page uh, 756, Acts chapter 1. Peter was a learner. The situation, uh, we're going to look at 15 first. Peter was a learner. He learned from his failures. And God never stopped using him. Um, So this is after Jesus is ascended into heaven. And the disciples are supposed to be hanging out in the upper room. And they're supposed to be waiting for next step. They know they're supposed to pray. They're supposed to wait. Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. These are undercover Christians at this point. It's not safe for them to be out in public very much because Jesus was crucified. It's very dangerous. You know, if they crucify Jesus, it won't take long for them to grab you, too. There's 120 of them. 
you know, it would have been very easy for this group of people to say, you know, there's only 120 of us. What can we do against the world? Jesus, we know Jesus wants us to go into all the world and make disciples, but there's only 120 of us. And Peter stands up. We begin to see Peter emerging as a different person. The need is in verses 16 and 17. Brothers, he says, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Here's the problem. There were 12 disciples. God always intended there would be 12. Judas had betrayed Jesus. Now he has hung himself and there is only 11. There is a missing position And now it needs to be fulfilled. And Peter understands this. And he takes action in verse 21 and verse 22. Therefore, it's necessary to choose. And he's calling for a decision here. Uh, It is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Beginning from John's baptism when Jesus went public with his ministry to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, the ascensions, for one of these must become a witness with us uh, of his resurrection. And so there has to, a man has to be qualified to fit this, and he has to be one who's, who's been with around us all of these three years of Jesus' public ministry. In Acts chapter 1, Matthias is chosen to take Judas' place. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came uh, upon these 120 followers of Christ, just as Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Peter knows Jesus has prepared him for such a time as this. And he boldly speaks for Jesus in Acts chapter 2. This is page 756. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, we see his boldness. Then Peter stood up. You know, it's easy to stay seated if everybody is in the same boat. There was no, um, like, written agenda for this time. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, this is out in the public streets in Jerusalem. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Peter is my hero. He gets up in a very dangerous environment in Jerusalem where they have just crucified Jesus. Those people who hated Jesus and they yelled in the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. Now Peter is in the streets. Now the good thing is he's followed Jesus' directions to go and wait and pray. And they had done that for 10 days after the ascension. And... uh, He gets up and he addresses the crowd who's been gathered because of these special events when the Holy Spirit came on the crowd and came on the believers. Now, Peter will take what he knows, Acts 1-8. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And he starts in Jerusalem. Now, Peter is going to be a witness, meaning he's going to tell the truth about what he knows, about who Jesus is and what Jesus came for. And then there's an Acts chapter 2, the proclamation, and we're going to zero in to verses 38 and 40. Peter gives a great sermon, and he just nails it. He just tells uh, the people that they are responsible for crucifying Jesus. You know, you could, you could make people angry by saying that. 
And uh, so Peter just came forward with the truth. But he explained who Jesus was. And, and verse 38, he comes to this. He's, Peter replied, repent. That means to change your mind about who Jesus is. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. Um, Peter is not teaching that you need to be baptized to be saved. What he's teaching is, is everybody needs to believe. And yes, it is a command of Jesus that everybody be baptized. And uh, just a quick application here for you. Have you been baptized as a believer in Jesus? Have you been baptized as a follower of Christ? Since you have become a believer, have you obeyed Jesus in being baptized? That's your responsibility. With many other words, verse 40, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So he challenges them. He calls them to repent, to change their mind and believe in Jesus. And we see the result in verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. They did not sit around and think about baptism like we do. They got baptized the very same day they believed. Uh, and also just read through the book of Acts and see how this model is uh, lived out. Remember that Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Peter cast the net and about 3,000 came into the kingdom of God on that day. Peter's life continues and I'm going to jump to chapter 4 of Verses 8 through 12. In Acts 3, Peter is involved in healing uh, uh, a man, a crippled man, and he's thrown into jail. Acts 4, verses 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, he's rulers and elders of the people. He has been confronted by the leadership of Jerusalem, the most powerful men in Jerusalem. And he's, this is how he speaks. Uh, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called on account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before for you healed. He, meaning Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone, quoting Psalm 118. Then he says, salvation is found in no one else, and there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's one of my very favorite verses in the New Testament, Acts 4.12. And uh, it was Peter speaking publicly. And then here's what I want you to see, Peter's reputation. It's in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They got it. This is what happens when you hang out with Jesus. This is what happens when you walk with Jesus. No, you don't have to be Peter. Peter had a unique role. But Peter had a major impact on the kingdom. Because he knew Jesus. It wasn't just when Jesus was alive and he had a face-to-face. -face, but he continued to learn to trust Jesus, to learn from his word to learn obedience, to learn prayer. 
Uh, the cool thing about Peter was, and hey, Peter was an ordinary man, wasn't he? That's what's so cool about Peter. He's just like us. He does silly things sometimes. I, I know that's true. Sometimes you do silly things. I've done lots of silly things. He made mistakes. He failed. He sinned. He doubted. He was afraid. He made promises he couldn't keep. But he was a lifelong learner, and he learned to trust Jesus over and over again. He learned to obey. He learned to follow. And he is the author of First and Second Peter. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I thank you uh, that you've shown us the life of Peter, and I thank you that you just uh, call ordinary people to yourself to follow you. Man, you've called us to follow you. And Lord, we're all in a learning process. You've called us to be disciples, and disciples are just learners, and we're just learning. And some of us are learning slow, and some of us are learning fast, and some of us are in neutral. And there's times where we have to reflect and regroup like Peter regrouped after he had failed Jesus uh, by denying him. I thank you that you're so patient with us and that you love us and uh, that you see us with our potential and who we can become. You see us as a 10. Let us learn as we look at Peter's life and may we just be humble and um, seek to listen to what you will teach us and show us. May we be students of your word. May we be learners together as we follow. And God, just as we uh, end our service today, I just want to uh, thank you for all of our students. And uh, I confess I'm sad that this uh, is going to be a last day for many of our students. As they uh, head into a uh, big week of finals, um, may you give them uh, wisdom and clarity to finish well and give them endurance. And uh, please uh, watch over them this summer and all that they do. Some of them will be working. Some of them will be taking some missions trip. And, um, God, we just um, ask that you'll keep them all safe. And may they return uh, to what you have them for them next fall. For all of us, uh, we just um, ask that you'll show us uh, how to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen.